but I am here to invite up and welcome a very good friend of mine. His name is Doug Tenson. He's actually my neighbor. He is a person who I really pay attention to, and he is someone that gives me, like, um, I don't know if you've been a Christian for a long time. You've noticed that there's some phases that you go through. And Doug has been through some interesting phases. He's been through a phase when he just tried to do everything right and when he, when just he tried to do like the religion part really well. But the cool thing about Doug is he is someone who uh, is getting to know Jesus a, a lot more every year. And, and when I talk to Doug, I get to take a step closer to Jesus too. So I'm really happy to know him and I'm happy that he's here to just share from God's word today. So give Doug a big hand. Carter, you just, um, yeah, just too proud of yourself sometimes. Hi, everybody. Um, glad you're here. I'm glad I'm here. Glad we could be here together. Um, I'm, I'm excited for this time. Uh, always get a little nervous when I stand up in front of all you smart college students. We're learning stuff, you know, and thinking about things really hard and talking about stuff and staying up late and drinking coffee and talking about more stuff and you're, you're an intimidating bunch, you know, you really are, but I'm really glad to be here. Uh, I'm, I'm glad I could share this time with you. So tonight, the power of one, the power of one, that's the theme that I was given. Um, what I want to start with though is, is I, I want to tell you something, I, I really love move. Is that Carla? Oh, no. Okay. Uh, I really love movies based on sports. I mean, I love movies in general, but I especially love movies based on sports. Like, uh, remember the Titans? Um, Miracle. Rudy. Uh, we Are Marshall. Hoosiers. Legend of Beggar Vance. I'm trying to get all the sports in here. Caddyshack. Well, I don't know, maybe Caddyshack doesn't quite fit into that. But, uh, and a lot of these movies have a, have a real similar theme to them. One person, oftentimes a coach or a player, inspires a team to be something more, to overcome the odds, to, uh, to win. One person speaks into the lives of others, and everything changes. There's a movie released in 2007 called Facing the Giants about a a losing high school football team. Now, it's not one of like my top 10 movies, but, but it has a great theme, a really good message. Uh, the coach in this movie introduces this kind of a controversial uh, coaching philosophy to the team that's built solely on faith and on determination. And, and he encourages his players to give their maximum effort. And from that point on, they lose one game, but they go on to win the state championship. I want to show you a, like a five-minute clip from the movie, so let's watch it. The power of one. 
power of one person, one voice, encouraging another person to believe in himself, to believe in herself, to believe something about themselves that they just didn't think it, that it was true. What keeps you from believing in yourself? What stands in the way of knowing that life matters and that you can make a difference? Oftentimes, it's fear. Fear that we'll, we'll fail. Uh, fear that our life really doesn't matter. Fear that our lives are too messed up or too broken. Uh, fear that all of those words of, of inspiration and motivation are meant for somebody else and not for us. There's another movie back in 2005 called Coach Carter based on a true story of Richmond High School basketball coach Ken Carter who made headlines in 1999 for benching his undefeated high school basketball team because they were failing in school. And in the movie, he locked his team in the gym until they studied and got their grades up, which ended up costing him his job. But he would ask his players, what is your deepest fear? And finally, one player had an answer. Let's watch this. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We were all meant to shine as children do. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same as we are liberated from our own fear. Our presence automatically liberates others. Sir, I just want to say thank you. You saved my life. Thank you, sirs. All of you. It's one of my favorite poems. Our deepest fear too often is not that we'll fail. Our deepest fear is that what someone may have told us about ourselves, it could be true. We may be powerful beyond measure. It's our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us, writes Marianne Wilson, the author of the poem. Um, I, I believe that it is in our nature to doubt our ability to matter, to make a difference. And it's a truth that we're afraid of. But it is true. You are a light. 
but it's only part of the truth. We'll come back to, uh, to Wilson's poem later on because the movie only quotes part of it. We need to first finish a story that you've been looking at for a couple of weeks. The story of Jesus' encounter with the woman at the well in John chapter 4. And I want to go all the way back to the beginning. Uh, I'm going to assume that maybe some of you haven't been here or weren't here last week or weren't here the week before or weren't here the last two weeks. So we're going to go back to the beginning of John chapter 4 where we read that that Jesus was on his way back to Galilee with his disciples, his friends. And while walking through Samaria, they decided to stop. Jesus sat down, it says, to rest, while his friends went into town to go get something to eat. A Samaritan woman came to the well to draw water. Now, what do, what do we know about Samaritans? Well, we know that, that the Jews hated them. But why? They were a mixed race. Jews who had intermarried over centuries with Assyrians. So they weren't pure. They had betrayed the Jewish culture. So Jews avoided Samaritans at all costs. Now what do we know about this Samaritan woman? Well, it says that she came to draw water at noon. Normally, women would come to the well either at the beginning of the day or at the end of the day or, or at both, but they would never come during the heat of the day at noon. Now, she may have been avoiding these other women. We actually learn that, that this woman had been married five times and was now living with a man who wasn't her husband. Do you think that maybe the women, the other women, in this small village knew about this woman's lifestyle? Do you think that they had formed an opinion about her? If this woman came to get water in the middle of the day alone, what does it say about her relationship with the other women in that village? And, and Jesus talked to this woman, which is remarkable. She was a Samaritan. She had an immoral reputation. And this was a public place. So three strikes. Jesus should have ignored her. But he didn't. Instead, he ignored the cultural expectations. And he talked to her. You know, our, our own Coach Carter, Moore, uh, reminded us the first week about the power and the importance of, of water in our lives. We cannot live without water. And here Jesus asked for a drink. And she was surprised. And then Jesus went on to offer her a different kind of water. If you drink this water, he said, you'll never be thirsty. And I think this woman, who was too embarrassed to get water with all of the other women, thought this might be an answer to some of her problems. She wanted this water. The woman discovered that Jesus knew all about her, all about her 
her private life, her five husbands, her current live-in boyfriend. She got defensive. She changed the subject. She deflected the conversation to something that was a little less personal. She started talking about religion. What this woman didn't know was that Jesus knew just a little bit about religion. He knew about worship. It was more about the heart than it was about a, a time or a place. And he knew a little bit about God and what God desired from people, from all people, even Samaritans. God had a plan, one that the scriptures talked about, a plan that would someday make things all right again. And the woman knew about this plan. That plan had a name. It was the Messiah. The Messiah. The Christ. The one who would make things right and who would explain everything to them. And Jesus said to the woman, I who speak to you am he. Now at this point, two things happen. Jesus' friends came back from town, and the woman left. And it seems like she left kind of in a hurry because she, she left her water jar there. Was she concerned about what Jesus' friends would think of her because she was talking to Jesus? Um, was it something else? Was it something Jesus said? And, and where did she go with, without her water? Now, back at the well, Jesus' friends were a little put off by Jesus' inappropriate behavior, but rather than mention anything, they decided to ignore it and talk about something else. And this time, it's food. The woman tried to control the conversation with Jesus by discussing religion, uh, and the disciples followed their gut and just said, Jesus, we're hungry. Let's eat. Now, once again, Jesus, the master of all things, even the simplest of conversations is a time and a place when he brings spiritual truth, brings spiritual truth to even everyday experiences. If you were here last week, Enrique pointed out how Jesus emphasized the importance of spiritual nourishment. You are what you eat. Spiritual nourishment includes, I believe, a lot more than than Bible study and prayer and going to church. Spiritual nourishment also comes from, from doing God's will and, and helping bring his work of salvation to completion. We are nourished by what we take in, but also by what we give out for God. And Jesus made it clear that the people are ready. People are ready to hear about God. The harvest is ready, he said. Now, did Jesus' friends get it? Did they hear what he was saying? Yeah, I'm really not sure, because the only comment they made is, hey, could someone else have brought him food? I, I think that they might have missed it. Now, what, what happened to the Samaritan woman? Was she hiding somewhere? Was she embarrassed that someone saw her with Jesus? No, the power of this one conversation with this one man affected her. 
So much so that she she went back to town and she told the people about him. Come, see the man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ, the Messiah? What happened to this woman? Remember who she was. She made a practice of avoiding the well-behaved people in town by going to the well when nobody else was there. This was a total change in behavior for her. Why? The power of this one woman's or this one man's words changed this woman. A withdrawn, broken woman finds her voice. And she tells her story. It's not done in fear. It's it's not coerced. It's not done out of embarrassment or shame. There actually seems to be some, like some awe and wonder in what she says. Come, see the man who told me everything I did. Could this be the Christ? And who were these, these people that were listening to her? Well, let me ask you this. When something important happens to you, that changes you, that, that affects you deeply and personally, you just can't keep it to yourself. Whom do you talk to? Who do you go to? Your friends, right? My guess is that that's what this woman did. And, and who were her friends? You know, they were people who knew her, who knew about her, and still accepted her. They were people that were probably a lot like her. People who struggled on, on the margins of life, unaccepted, who felt dirty about the things that they had done. And these people came to meet Jesus at the well. And then they invited him to stay. These people invited Jesus into their home. And Jesus went and he stayed with them for a couple of days. What happened during those couple of days? Whatever it was, the story ends by saying that many more became believers. I kind of like to think that a church was born on that day. And the, the leader of that church was a woman who had had five husbands and was living with her boyfriend. And the first members were probably her friends. So the final verse of the story These people, these friends, said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you have said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Now I want to just finish up with a couple of observations about this story. First, the care and the attention that Jesus gave to this woman was amazing. In the short time that he spent with her, He came to know her deeply. He listened to her words and and to her heart. He was patient with her. He knew what she was thirsty for. He knew her her fears and her mistakes. And he created a, a safe place for her where he could reveal himself as well as her deepest needs. And he shared the truth with her. Now, what didn't Jesus do? Did he judge her? Did he criticize her? 
Did he condemn her? Did he even tell her what she had to do? The other thing is the response of the woman was equally amazing. She set everything else aside and she went to her friends and she told them what had happened. She told them about this, this insightful, this wise, this mysterious, this accepting and kind man who understood her and yet cared about her. She told them her story and she said, come and meet this guy. And then she stepped aside and she allowed them to meet Jesus for themselves. And at that point in the story, she became irrelevant. The power of one. And where is that power in the story? You know, of course, we see it in Jesus. The power of his love and truth changed one life. We also see that power in the woman whose story went on to affect others. It was the, the kind of power that comes from a changed life, a story of unexpected transformation. And what kind of power was it? It was, it was a sort of humble, gentle, yet honest power that offered hope and promise in a broken world. It was power that didn't overpower or seek to control or to force change. It was power that loves and patiently extends grace. On the part of the woman, it was the kind of confident power that allowed her to, to step out of the way once her story was told. She introduced her friends to Jesus, and then, and then she allowed them to meet Jesus on their own. She became irrelevant from that point on. She knew that the power wasn't in her, but instead kept it anchored to the source, to Jesus. I said we're going to go back to this poem, so I want to finish with Marianne Wilson's poem, the whole poem, not just the part of the poem that we, we hear in the movie. So let me read this to you. Do we have this up here too? Awesome. Okay. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, and fabulous? You should wake up every morning and say that to yourself. I dare you, out loud. Actually, who are you not to be? Because you are a child of God. This is the part that the movie leaves out. Your playing small doesn't serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people will not feel insecure around you. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It is not in, just in some of us. It is in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Isn't that an awesome poem? We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. That is the power within you. You are 
powerful beyond measure. Your power finds its source in Christ, not in yourself. He is the source of that light. So, my friends, go be that light. Shine bright. Pay attention to those around you. Create a safe place to share the story of how God has changed and is changing you. Share your story with love and humility and patience. Invite your friends and others to come and meet Jesus, this man who knows everything about you. Don't criticize. Don't judge. Don't even tell them what they need to do. That's not your role. Just tell your story. And when it's time, step out of the way and allow Christ to speak into their lives. For it is his power that changes lives. The power of one. Let me pray. God, thanks for the promise of your power available to all of us who believe. The very same power that, re that raised Jesus from the dead is available to us every day. It's not our power. It's your power within us. And that power can change our lives. And as it does, give us confidence, give us boldness, but also gentleness and patience as we share our story with others. And let the focus be on you, about you, and about your ability to change lives, not ours. So thanks. Thanks for this story, this beautiful story about this woman that you met at a well that impacted an entire village, entire community. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.